Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you make connections. Saba Mirzad is the founder of iFeminist, which is a digital platform focused on highlighting unknown and underrepresented women in history through research projects developed by young contributors. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Saba Mirzad. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm Saba. I am 19 years old, originally from Long Island, um, and I'm a sophomore at Harvard. I'm studying computer science and government, um, and that cut that major that joint major came about because of the work that I've done with iFeminist and a couple years before that. But I also am the founder of an organization called iFeminist. Um, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. It's an organization that highlights unknown and underrepresented women in history. In 2018, I was the sole high school researcher at this program called the New Historia at the New School, which is a small liberal arts college in Manhattan. Um, They're associated with Parsons School of Design, which a lot of people are very familiar with. But at the New Historia, it's, um, it's a database that consolidates information about historical women and there I literally that opportunity just fell into my lap because I my school librarian who I loved was friends or was connected with the professor that ran that program so I had like was super super lucky something like that worked out for me Um, and when I got there um, and started doing work with them they told me that I could just focus on whoever I wanted and study whoever I wanted and I was like in 10th grade, I had no idea, but I knew that I wanted to study Iranian women because I'm Iranian. And for most of my life, I've only heard about like the Iranian revolution and and political events in Iran that weren't the most, like if you know what's going on in Iran today, like that's how it's been for as long as I could remember. Um, And so most of the stories that I, political stories that I heard about Iran or historical ones were about like human rights abuses or the way women were treated in the country. And I just didn't have the most favorable perception of that. And that translated into me being a little insecure about my own identity and not wanting to talk about it and not wanting to talk about Iranian politics all the time. Or like, if I bring up that I'm Iranian, people would ask me all these questions about Iran and as like a 10th grader, I was like, I'm not the reason for all this happening. I promise I do not want this to be happening. And so I just wasn't feeling the most confident about my identity. And so I, I through a lot of research, asking around, talking with my parents and family members, I came across this woman named Sylvie Dolatavodi. And she was the leader of the Iranian feminist movement in the 1960s, which I didn't even know happened. And I collected all this information about her. And when it was done, I like created this thing called a schema, which is a document of all the data that I could find about her from every source that's online that was reputable. When I was done, I was so excited for it to be published, but then COVID happened. So this was flash forward to 2020 and COVID time had lots of time to reflect. And I realized that being able to study someone that looks like me and had the same aspirations as me and the beliefs as me was just really inspiring and such a unique experience. Like this would not have happened if my school librarian didn't know someone, you know, or if I didn't even become friends with my school librarian. 
And so I decided to start iFeminist to be able to, to give that sort of similar opportunity to students to make that sort of research opportunity more accessible and also be able to expose our readers at the time, didn't know we'd have that many our readers to, to women that they identify with. So the first article on there is an article that I wrote through the data that I collected about and it just like grew from there. Now I lead over 270 students from 27 US states and 25 countries. I mean, yeah, 25 countries. And we have like 2000 plus readers each month, which is just crazy to me. Um, and I wish like growing up that I had a website like that where I could just look up women that are from Iran or that look like me or have the same interests as me professionally just to be able to learn more. So that's what I've been doing in these past two years. A little bit of a long introduction, but yeah, that's just a little bit about me. That's perfect. That's a great way to get started. So tell me more about iFeminist and the content that you're producing. What does the day-to-day -day look like for you? I'd love to just get the whole scoop on iFeminist and what the process looks like to create that content. Yeah, so primarily our platform is a website, um, ifeminist.org, if anyone wants to check it out. And what we do is we publish articles weekly. So three times a week, we publish articles about women in history that our writers write articles about but sounds easy sounds like it would be very straightforward but there's a lot of organization that comes that goes along with it so we current i currently run seven teams within ifeminist we have research so those include like our research directors that oversee our, our seven or eight editors and our editors are editing the articles that we receive from our writers every other month and then we have web development they code our website because it's hard coded because iFeminist kind of started as me wanting to publish my own articles through a website that I coded. So overseeing them. Then we have community director who oversees like events within our community, does panels, polls, chatting. We have a Geneva home, which is kind of like Slack, but we just liked it a little bit better. So um, she does questions on there. Then we have social media post on social media um, we have operations so they're like doing a lot of the recruitment and um, outreach to our members I'm totally missing we have we have a podcast I'm missing one I can't remember which one but it'll come to me so those are that's like all of the operational things that I have to oversee because we have so many members we have like 270 members and going from the beginning of iFeminist, I never wanted to make this like an exclusive opportunity. Like I wanted to make this as accessible as possible, but this accessibility requires like some oversight. So that's why there's so many like operational things going on, but we receive the articles from our, our writers and then who are technically on the research team, then they're edited by our editors and then they're sent to our web development team, which then puts them on their website, on our website. So that's kind of like an overview of iFeminist, but then we also have a lot of other things going on. Like we th run events through our community team. Um, we try to have a really active Instagram account informing our, mem or our members about political events, not necessarily just women in history. Yeah, lots of fun, exciting things going on. 
So along the lines of the articles and the content on the site, tell me some about the articles that have really stuck with you or maybe some recent ones on the site that have really caught your attention. I would just love to know more about what your contributors have been writing about and those topics and the people that they're really interested in learning more about. Yeah, um, I'm looking on the website now, but all of the earlier articles are the ones I like edited myself before we had it had like a team so I really remember a lot of them. Faith Ringgold is um she's like an activist and an artist and she had an art she was one of the earliest articles that were written and she like the her artwork was so vivid and I remember this was the like I was coding the website at this time too so I was like having to explore like inputting photos and trying to like format them while coding them and that was the first article that we did that for, I believe, because I wanted people to show her artwork on a page about her. And so like seeing her artwork and the messages that they would convey, I don't remember what specific time period that she was like making most of her, I think it was during like the civil rights movement. So obviously lots going on in America regarding race. So I felt like her and I was editing this at the time where the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020 was really at its peak. So everything felt like extremely relevant to what was going on in the world. And so like seeing her paintings from like six years earlier and then associating them with what was going on in the in the US and being able to learn from someone like her was just really, really inspiring. And then I remember a few months later, I went to the MoMA and she had one of her paintings there and it was huge and it was just like such a cool moment because I knew that if I hadn't done iFeminist or hadn't come across this article like I wouldn't have known what the significance was so that was definitely one that really like I still really think about a lot just because of the connection that it made to me and also I think another one that I really like and this is kind of like basic, I think, for someone who's really into women's history, but Rosalind Franklin, um, she was like the person who had taken that famous photograph of DNA that Watson and Crick eventually used to talk about like the shape of DNA. And she used something called x-ray crystallography. I don't 100% understand it anymore. I used to be able to like tell you all the specific things that happened about it, but it was a really, really difficult way to photograph especially at the time there wasn't technology that we had today so she was like the expert in her field and took this photo of dna which then led to the huge discovery of its shape and i remember learning about her in my like biology classroom in high school and eventually there was an article put up about her and so that like really her photo was stolen from her desk by someone in her own lab and then that was passed on to Watson and Crick and eventually used in their paper and they were awarded the Nobel Prize but she didn't receive it and I'm pretty sure at the time she also had passed away and likely due to the radiation that she received from taking those types of images with x-rays she had cancer and so like learning about the sort of injustices and how these two men were credited with such a fantastic discovery but she wasn't was kind of like the crux of what I wanted to be able to solve with iFeminist to be able to to highlight women that weren't given when credit was due um, and also be able to highlight women that have, have made really 
wonderful achievements for humanity. So there's an article about that as well that I that I was editing. And now I don't do all the editing. Sometimes I do like really, really minor editing, but now it's mostly like operational work. But at the time I was like really in the nitty gritty of editing. And so she was, I remember reading that one and and reaching out to my AP biology teacher and like showing it to her and asking for advice and, and all that. So those two are definitely some of my favorites. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing those. I have one more question for you. Lots of young people, especially high school students, college students, want to create change and want to make a difference, but they may not know how to get started with that work. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? Yeah, I think hmm, I first would would say to try to hone in on what specifically they're really passionate about. I think for me, like since I was in 10th grade, I knew that I was really, really passionate about women's equality. And then from there on, I wanted to search for what I could do in my community to contribute. And so I like joined a school club that was focused on on like a forum for women. And then from there, I started reading about like feminism and I started reading about the movement and learning more and talking to my teachers. That's how I first got connected to my school librarian because we she studied women's studies and I wanted to be able to talk to someone that had had studied that in depth and I think being able to to first hone in on what you're really passionate about can create a whole snowball if you just go out and go for it and so I think like I started off small like I first went to my school club I became really interested in what my school was doing and then I wanted to talk to my teachers who were informed about these issues that I was passionate about and then I realized that there were certain outlets that that weren't weren't already there that I could could start so for example in my high school I started a women in stem club because there wasn't a community like that for women across stem fields there was only girls who code but at the time in 10th grade, I hadn't learned how to code. Later on, I did. So I wish I was a part of that community, but um, there wasn't a community like that. And then I think focusing in on what you really want to do and then talking to people around you, learning what already exists in your community can then expose you to certain gaps that you might be able to fill. Or or if you partner with someone else that's also really interested in it, you guys would be able to fill it. So I think firstly, it requires some clarity or even just just a general idea of a certain issue that you're truly passionate about because I've always been more more inclined towards digging deep into something and though I do I like I'm very interested in a lot of different so like solving social injustices most of my work has been dedicated towards women's issues and so that is how I've seen it become more like effective if you put most of your energy into one thing rather than a lot of other things, even though that has its own merits. That's just for me. That's just how I feel. Um, I would say start small, start with your community and then see if there are any gaps that you notice while you're doing your own work um, in your own community. And, and you can be able to discuss with other people and brainstorm how you can be able to fill in those gaps. I really enjoyed talking with Saba, and I think her passion for the work she's doing is just so evident when speaking with her. I think Saba's story really highlights just how important it is to make connections and cultivate a network of people. 
Saba's story really started when she reached out to her school librarian, who connected her with her first research opportunity into women's history. Saba mentioned so many people, like her AP physics teacher, that she's connected with through her work with iFeminist and just throughout her life. Not to mention Saba's grown a huge network of contributors and readers of iFeminist that are also part of her community. She has shared her work with so many people and has really benefited from cultivating great connections and seeing where they take her. So I think Saba's story is a great example of how change comes when you make connections. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can find Saba on Instagram at sabamerzad underscore to get connected with her. You can also find iFeminist on Instagram at iFeministOfficial to learn more about the platform. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then... Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.